about you folks, but I have thoroughly enjoyed this season of sequels here at the Sloppy Horror Podcast. There's only two movies left in the season, and we want it to go big. That's why the flick we're covering today is highly regarded as one of the best examples of acting within the genre. I know, as much as I love horror, I could rightfully admit that scary movies aren't always the finest examples of acting. But that doesn't mean that it's non-existent. On this episode, we're going to dive deep into William Peter Blatty's 1990 psychological horror, The Exorcist 3. The movie is an adaptation of Blatty's novel, Legion, which was the final installment in his Faith trilogy. Once you get a keen eye for it, it's easy to spot movies directed by writers, and that's 100% the case with The Exorcist 3. Strong character arcs and a dialogue so rich that it should be served with a glass of milk. George C. Scott and Brad Dorff steal every scene that they're in, absolutely crush it, and the way that they're able to bounce back and forth with one another without trying to outshine each other is absolutely remarkable. You would think more people within the community have seen The Exorcist 3, but you'd be surprised. I don't think it gets the credit it deserves, so that's what we're going to do today with a vulgar display of power. Without any further introduction, here is our take on The Exorcist 3. Welcome to the Sloppy Horror Podcast. I am your host and your scary movie companion, Christian Ramey, and back again for another week clapping them cheeks, the best producer in the whole wide world, Mr. Ozark Mark. Ozark, what's going on, buddy? How are you? What's going on, Christian Ramey? My allergies are kicking my ass. Yeah. The flowers are booming. It's raining day in and day out. Then it's sunny, then it rains, then it's sunny, then it rains, then it's sunny, it rains. We are in springtime, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that's the way it is where you live. If not, you're a lucky son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. But I'm other than that, I am fine. We are back here for another great episode here at the Sloppy Horror Podcast. And we are winding down our season of sequels for your ass. We are. But today, but today we are talking about the third installment of a franchise, and that is The Exorcist 3. The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Boys and girls, I cannot wait to dive into this movie. First off, most people, when regarding The Exorcist, not everybody loves the first one, but what's really weird, there's people I know that love the third one and can't stand the first one. This movie has a lot of love. It almost falls in the cult status, and we're going to get into every little bit of that. But first, I must tell you about our Patreon that we have, okay? Patreon.com slash Sloppy Horror. There you could find some bonus content. It's a fun way to support the show. And this bonus content, they're full episodes. They're episodes that you can't find anywhere but Patreon. And uh, it's a monthly charge to be able to view these videos from $3, $5, $10, $20, your choice, whatever you want. But each tier has access to the channel. And, you know, you can also write into the show. We'll give you little shout-outs, things of that nature. Once again, we are not a show watered down with advertisements and things like that by choice. Because we know our fans are what keep us afloat and what can keep the lights on. So we thank you, boys and girls. And without further introduction, without any more greetings, let's get into this Exorcist 3, Mark. Yes, please do. Let's do this, okay? First off, folks, this movie, it's got some creepy little origins, too. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer said that he was a fan of this movie, and it kind of emulated the feelings he got when he got creepy 
when he started killing folks. Well, that's good. Yeah, that is good. Folks, what else is going on? Uh, if we could backtrack here, because I think in order to be able to give a synopsis, before we even jump into that, we need to hit the rewind. The Exorcist 2 is pretty much known as a flop. I know there are people who are fans of it. I have ambivalence towards it. I've seen it so many times that it's like if someone were to have a discussion about it, I would chime in and have like a strong conversation about it. But I can't really say if I like I don't like it and I don't love it, but I don't like loathe it. I don't know if that makes sense. It just exists. Mm -hmm. But everyone kind of skipped over it, including this storyline. This movie kind of takes off right afterwards. Um not directly afterwards, but it takes place of the same story after the first Exorcist. Um, do you remember, Mark, in the first Exorcist, there was a lot of murders going on. There's a few deaths going on, and obviously the cops aren't just going to say, yep, there's a demon out there. So they had a, a, a lieutenant. You remember Lieutenant Kinderman from the first one? He was hanging out with uh, Father Karras, asking him about the movies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you look like? <laughs> you know? What she should have said, Sylvester Stallone, like, that's who he looked like. Motherfucker looked like Rocky. He was a boxer, and he was in a gray sweatsuit. Like, he had the look. Yes, right. he did. But that being said, this that came out before Rocky. Um, but, folks, here's what's going on. That same officer, Officer Kinderman, works his way into the third one. Now, if you if we remember the end of the first Exorcist, the legendary movie, obviously the demon was inside of Reagan. They were performing the exorcism, all right? Father Marin died. Old white-haired man died. But Father Karras wasn't putting up with that shit. He had already lost his mom. He was. This was his battle. He battled it out. He let the demon take him over, and he jumped out the window, and he died. Down a bunch of stairs. Right. He died. And if you are an audio listener right now and you cannot see, I said he died in quotations, okay? This third one, what's going on is there's a bunch of, uh, we'll start the synopsis here, I guess. There's a bunch of murders going on, and they very much mimic the Gemini killer. And the Gemini killer, kind of, a, you know, a little homage to the Zodiac killer, but same kind of premise, uh, a killer who left clues, if you will, well, Kinderman's getting really freaked out because these murders remind him of the Gemini killer. And what's weird about it is when the Gemini killer was going on, they did not tell the media everything. Uh, the Gemini killer cut off a finger and he did something else to the body, cut off like inside the palm like a little Gemini sign. But they, they told the media that he cut off a finger, but they told them the wrong finger. So that would weed out any copycat killers. People calling into the police station saying, I'm the Zodiac, or I mean, I'm the Gemini killer, and I've cut off their finger. And They would know that it's wrong. They're a copycat. So they kept all of this hidden. Well, these murders that are happening present day follow what the Gemini killer was doing. So Lieutenant Kinderman's kind of getting a little, little freaked out. He's on the edge of his seat. He's not really knowing what to do. Um, he has a, a, a good friend. He has a, a, a priest that's friend with him, uh, Father Dyer. And he their relationship's a lot of fun. They're great friends. And, uh, you know, he goes back and forth with him. 
The lieutenant's not a man of faith, really. Obviously, Father Dyer is, but he's very kind of blasé about it. He's not shove it down your throat. He's like, I'm living my life, and uh, he's a fun guy. Well, eventually, Officer, I mean, Father Dyer ends up dying. So all these people end up dying, and he's not knowing what's going on. So eventually, Lieutenant Kinderman makes his way to a mental hospital. Inside there, he's talking to this doctor, and he says, all right, we got this patient in here. He wandered in here like 15 years ago, or we saw him walking around. We don't know who the hell he is, but he's claiming he's the Gemini killer. So go deal with that. Go see what it's all about. Well, he goes in there, and he sees that the person in there is Father Karras, who we know is dead, thrown out the stairs. So Lieutenant Kinderman's very... He's not knowing what's going on. He's really reserved. And then um, he kept saying, you know, I'm the Gemini killer. And Lieutenant Kinderman said, you're, I'm very, he says, you're not the Gemini killer. Gemini killer's dead. And then all of a sudden he says, no, he's not. And he freaks out, and he transforms into the Gemini killer, who is also dead. Um, and that's played by Brad Dorf. Brad Dorf crushes this role. He crushes this role. But this person inside this jail cell is Father Karras under demonic possession. And within this jail cell, he's being able to make murders happen all around him. Very Andre Leneau style, storm of the century kind of thing. Um, it's kind of a complex story. It's not an easy synopsis. But a long story short, the demon from the first movie was pissed off how things went. So it thought there's no better way for us to get back than to use this holy body, the body of a holy man, to create torment and kill all of these people and do this shit as, you know, fuck you for what you guys tried to do to me when I was in Reagan. So it's very complex, but what I will say here, as we remember, the director of The First Exorcist was William Friedkin. Uh, had a lot of crazy styles, but the book was written by William Peter Blatty. And as we mentioned in that episode, there was a lot of uh, turmoil in the making of that movie. Uh, William Peter Blatty being a man of faith, William Freakin not. William Freakin wanting to leave things open, more uh, ambiguous. William Peter Blatty wanting to be a person who's saying like, no, this is all real. This is faith-based. This is a battle of faith. Well, William... Breedkin is the director of this movie. I'm sorry, William Peter Blatty is the director of this movie. And you know how you can tell? It feels like a Stephen King movie or book. Uh, not, not the similar terrors, but the dialogue. It's so rich. The dialogue is beautiful in this movie. You can tell that it was done by a, a writer. It wasn't made by some movie maker who's given you some, uh, I don't know, you're just typical horror movie, just to, ah, whatever, put some kids on there, kill them, the kids will like it, throw some tits in there, whatever. This is not that. This is an in-detailed movie, and um, I hope that I explained that enough, or well enough, within that synopsis. But it's a really thick movie, and I'm not kidding. This is a excellent display of acting. If, like, somebody was like, what does acting mean? Like, what does it mean to act? I've never seen someone act. You could show this movie... Undoubtedly, because you're watching something that's not, uh, well, I mean, it's open to faith, but I can most confidently say you don't, you don't see things like that often. I don't think you've ever seen anybody ripped apart or somebody transform or seen a crazy exorcism in front of you. 
But the way all these actors are in this movie, they portray it serious. So, like, you're taking it serious. It's not tongue-in-cheek. It's like, yo, I don't know what the hell I would do. <laughs> like, it, it sets a tone. Now, Ozark, I will ask, Is this uh, was this your first time watching The Exorcist 3? Yes. Yes, it was. To be honest with you, I didn't even know there was an Exorcist 2 or 3. I knew there was no, – I know there are other Exorcist, Exorcist – exorcism movies like i'm aware of those yeah the ones like early 2000s emily rose and last exorcism and all this stuff i knew about the exorcist and i didn't know about exorcist two or three um so when you first sent me that i was like there's a exorcist three there's a second one okay so but you told me that i was gonna laugh um (laughs) and i absolutely did i i really think this this movie to me is a comedy but mm-hmm. <laughs> but it but you're right. I mean, you get lost in the dialogue. The dialogue to me was done very well. I got lost whenever Kinderman and Father Karras or the demon are in that cell. You get lost you in their do. dialogue. You fall right into it, and it's like, oh man, this is like a a uh, Broadway play or something like that. The, like the dialogue makes it. It, it really great. does, man. And it's different. It's a little bit more cheesy and over the top um, than the first Exorcist, but I think that was on kind of on purpose because, you know, the first Exorcist was played out to be like, oh, this this is like real thing could happen because it was all about just the exor- a, a demon possessing a girl. There was there were some over the top things, but they all could be possible. Like this, mm-hmm. but you come to this movie and it's like, all right, this guy is transforming into another human, and this guy, this demon is possessing other people and killing them. Like that's very more unlikely. There's a few. There's a few movies that have kind of like portrayed that like, I can take over other bodies kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So, but it is interesting though. I did I did enjoy it. Um, I did enjoy it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, without a doubt, I mean, Kinderman, Lieutenant Kinderman mm-hmm. makes this movie. To yeah, me. George C. Scott is the guy who uh, yeah. portrayed him. And because I'll tell you this. I could watch a movie of just him in his day-to-day life. That's it. If that was the entire movie, I would watch that. <laughs> because their dialogue, his dialogue is the greatest. His, It's the greatest. I, I don't want to butcher any of his lines, but. How about that? He's telling a story to Father. Uh, he's telling to Father Dyer, and uh, he, remember when he was about to leave, and he says, "What are you doing? About to go home?" And he says, "No, that's my. I can't go that, home. That's my favorite part, dude." <laughs> said, so we're just gonna, we're gonna don't ask my favorite part later. We're gonna get into it right now because yeah, they went to the, he said they went to the movies right, and they're leaving. <laughs> motherfucker said, "I can't. I can't go home. My mother-in-law is in town." And she she says she wanted to make fish, so she bought some carp. Got nothing against it. It's a tasty fish. (laughs) But apparently it's filled with impurities, so she insists on buying it alive. So inside of my bathtub for three days, that carp swims up and down, up and down. And I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so serious. I know, but it's he so says, ridiculous. He says, you're this close to me. Can you smell me? I haven't had a bath in three days. <laughs> I can't go home until the fish is asleep. Because <laughs> if I see it swimming, I'll kill it. I'll kill it. <laughs> Dude, that's such a funny part out of nowhere for no <laughs> reason. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Did another one is 
he's going to sleep and his wife's in bed. He's like, where's, I forget his daughter's name, but she's, uh, he's like, where's she at? And she goes, well, she's at dance, dance rehearsal or whatever. He's like, but it's late. She goes, it's 10 o'clock. That's very late. That's <laughs> very <laughs> late. <laughs> like, even if you're awake at home, it's just late. Like, <laughs> And then the next day he gets a phone call. He's like, hello, what are you telling me? <laughs> <laughs> what I think is a beautiful thing, too, that I love with Kinderman in the first day and the second. Because the first movie was Lee J. Cobb, and that guy crushed it, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you remember... Open window draft. It's a magic carpet ride for bacteria. <laughs> like that scene with him, uh, you know, yeah. and Alan Burstyn. That that was great. Yeah. So that guy's really hard to replace. Like if you were just to watch The Exorcist on its own and say, like, all right, that cop, we got to replace him. You'd be like, man, that's gonna be a tough go. But the guy died. So George C. Scott, like, not only filled the role, like he, I mean, he might have exceeded expectations because it, he's so serious and so funny. But the part that I love about the Kinderman character in general is that he befriends priests and watches movies with them because he just wants somebody to watch a movie with this whole damn time. This guy loves movies. And then Officer Dyer is the same way. You remember when Officer Dyer is talking to the one guy? He says, uh, I mean, Father Dyer. Yeah, what, I'm sorry. What officer. I officer, yeah. Why do I say officer? <laughs> Forgive me, Officer Pipes. And... Forgive me, Officer. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. Father Dyer. Yes. Um, anyways, he's eating, and they says, well, what is your plan today? And Father Dyer said, seeing, going to the picture, seeing a wonderful life, seeing it 37 times. He says, go, oh, that's endearing. <laughs> he said, that's cool. <laughs> you, got a, you got a favorite picture? <laughs> he said the blob or something. He said the fly. The fly. Yeah. The fly. <laughs> I just love how these people love movies. Yeah, I love. I just love their dialogue between each other. Like when they first, when Father Dyer and Kinderman first go into the movies, it's on Ken, the camera's on Kinderman, and then it pans out to the snack stand. And Father Dyer's there. He's like, Kinderman's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm getting lemon drops." He's like, "Hearing all these little bastard stories forever, I kind of got a taste for him." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Smoking pot with those kids." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, they're so funny, man. I love the way that they have the dialogue. Yeah, and Dyer's fun, too, because uh, he ends up in the hospital. He ends up sick with something, and it's right before he dies. And um, Kinderman goes to see him, and he's like, what is this? What's going on with this? And he says, oh, it's nothing, just routine stuff. And he says, I don't think it's routine stuff. I don't think you're good, whatever. He's like, oh, it's fine. And he, like, lights up a cigarette, and he says, those things aren't good for you. He said, they're quiet. <laughs> and I felt that you're like, yeah, they're quiet. They're quiet. <laughs> I've never heard that expression about cigarettes before. No, but yeah, I love how I love how Lieutenant Kinnerman goes from zero to a hundred real quick, and it's in the '90s, and the audio was poor, so it like peaks out, and like when the nurse comes in, he goes, "Are you guys okay? We're fine. We're fine." Just out, out of nowhere. <laughs> Mark, can we make a separate category? Can we have a little badge? Can we have a little badge? I, you know, like a, an award, a sloppy horror award, a uh, Hall of Fame kind of thing, if you will, of voices we wished we have. Okay, obviously Gregory Peck is on that list. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what's his name? Ronnie from Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. Angela, what's wrong? There's just <laughs> so many voices. There's few voices that we've mentioned on this show. Like, man, that guy's got a cool voice. I, I think, you know, George C. Scott fits on that role. Yes, he does. I, th- I think he does. He wins that award. 
But also, let's not lie, dude. I don't want to shy away from Brad Dorf. Brad Dorf, like, he crushes all of this dialogue. It's superior, dude, and there's he's a, scary. There's a lot of it too. There's a and lot of face. There's a lot of <laughs> facial expressions with him. There's a lot of. I mean, he talks for like 10, 15 minutes straight almost, I feel like. And he gets down here. Like, his voice does this crazy thing. And, like, to make Kenderman believe, he starts doing crazy stuff, talking in tongues, and then he starts singing like a little girl. Like, dude, it's fucking weird. If that were to, like, really happen to you, though, like, if you're actually, like, in that situation, you would shit your pants. You'd be like, I'm getting out of here, dog. Like, I don't know what's up with you, but I roll with Jesus, homie, and I'm getting out of here. I roll with Jesus. And I got to get up out of here, homie, because he don't like me hanging out with you. Dude, some of the 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 descriptions of some of these kills are intense. I know. And what carnage you do have on screen, especially at the end with Father Morning, like hitting the damn ceiling and his flesh and body peeling apart, that's pretty intense. That's a pretty... Because it's not a movie that's laced with kills, but the parts that do have them are like... Oh my God! Like what the heck? Like they're super gory and um... yeah, just the description of Father Dyer's death. I like how Kinnaman comes in. And he's where are those? What's in those jars? <laughs> What's in the jars? <laughs> His entire blood supply. <laughs> oh. His entire blood supply. You mean to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, like that scene right there. Um, you know how like men. And, like, dads or grandpas especially express emotion. Like, that's a really high-tier acting scene because that's, like, very accurate to, like, if you came in today and found me dead in the studio, you wouldn't... That's not how you would react. It's not how... You would probably react exactly like Kinderman reacted. Just like, fuck. Uh, like it, it was such a real moment where you're like, damn, dude, you're really crushing it right now. Because they they did have a fun friendship on screen. Um, yeah. You're just like, man, these guys just wanted to see some movies. Damn it, why why why'd you have to take all of his blood out of his body? What a what a thing. And then he, you know, he had to look. You gotta look. He looked under the sheet. Somebody said like, yeah, he's under there. Somebody took all the blood out of his body. He'd be like, what? Well, imagine what that looks like. I don't know, dude. Insane. Because yeah. you're like a, we're like giant water balloons. Yeah. We're just f- filled with blood and liquid. It would just liquid. be a skeleton with skin. Be weird. Mm-hmm. Like one of them, like dried up bananas or raisins. You yeah. Know? Fucking disgusting. Gross. I love Kinderman uh, interviewing people. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Just in general. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody he interviews, like the nurse. Was anybody else there? <laughs> so you saw somebody. No, I didn't see. Are you sure you didn't see anybody? Well, somebody was there. Well, they're there. Just right back at him. After that, shot after shot after shot. Yeah, he's a lot of fun, man. And I don't know. You know, it all depends if you're a person of faith. Because, it, like, each people, as we all say, here's the thing with horror movies. Doesn't matter what horror movie's going to come out. Somebody's going to say that one's dumb. Because some people aren't afraid of aliens. Some people aren't afraid of the devil. 
Some people aren't afraid of strangers. You know, they're like, damn, dude, I got a gun safe. I'm waiting for the stranger. You know, some people aren't like, there's a whole, if you go all across, monsters, whatever, but there are ones people are clowns, but there are ones people are afraid of. And if you're a person that's like a person of faith, if demonic stuff scares you, possession movies scare you, I'd say this movie could fit pretty, uh, pretty well. Uh, for a movie night, if you haven't seen it, I definitely think you pop this one on. You'll definitely be involved. It's got a lot of suspense to it, for sure. Um, a lot of build up, and sometimes that's part of the fear. Yeah, and that's what gets me. There's some movies that you look at the basis of the movie, like oh, that's not scary, but the suspense in it is what brings out the fear. Gets people starting to move on the edge of their seat. Get some feeling weird. Yeah. Gets them all tingly in the areas. In their private parts. <laughs> in their fun parts. Like I said, dude, this is the third episode out of this season that's had Brad Dorf. Brad Dorf. Man, that guy's all over the place. Yeah, he really, like, I mean, I'm not saying Chucky doesn't display his acting skills because it's the voice with Chucky. I mean, it's the expression with Chucky but Lord of the Rings uh, Deadwood these other shows and movies that he's in where it's like serious roles you're like oh shit Homeboy's a uh, for real actor like did you say Lord of the Rings yeah that's kind of a major fucking franchise it's a little bit up there yeah yeah dude for sure. So, I don't know. He's just a, a, a gym that did not have to be in the horror world. And it, like, upsets me that his name's not in the everyday vernacular of actors because he's been in so many things. Um, it's like if you know, you know. If, if When people say, who would I think is an underrated actor? This guy. Not just because, like, oh, he's Chucky, man. No, dude, this guy is diverse. Um. He's just diverse, and I, I really think he displayed that. I think this movie is, like, one of his best theater performances because he's all over the place, man. He's like a demon. He's chill and crazy at the same time. Like, and it's all acting. Like, he's not anywhere else but that cell. So you have to sell it. Like, you have to make that I see interest. what you did. You got to make that interesting. You got to sell it. Yeah. Helena, sell it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? But no, you do because I mean, you you just sit you you're sitting on a bed chained up, okay? Yeah. So act, okay? You have to act like you have you you don't have action around you. You don't have things going on. All you have is yourself and a bed chained up. I think like once those scenes wrapped up, everybody was like, "Yo, you're pretty good, bud." Oh yeah, <laughs> you're good. Yeah, I mean, Jason Miller did good too. His father cares coming back here. He did. He did. You know, um, I like seeing him again. Good little, good little comforting too. He's like, oh, he was in the first one. Yup, yup. And he's also Michael. Michael. Michael from the Lost Boys' father, <laughs> Jason Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, your creature of the night, Michael. Shut up. Stop it. Stop. Every time I hear Lost or Boys, I think, Michael, fuck. Away. What are you doing? What are you doing? Look here. All right. Do you think 
when you were watching this movie, you felt like a killer? Or was Jeffrey Dahmer just a crazy person? I think Jeffrey Dahmer was just a crazy person. I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. I think he I mean, they were very inspiring, detailed kills if you're a psychopath. Gets you some ideas. Because he's like, you got to be very precise. And him explaining how he drained all the blood from him or how he stabbed that one girl. Describing the crimes is very detailed and very psycho-ish. Like, I can see how somebody on the spectrum of psycho... And murderer might find some inspiration oh. from that. Yeah, dude, it you is pre- it is pretty creepy along those lines. I I really respect Father Morning for going in there at the end by himself. He's like, you know what? I don't give a shit. I'm coming in here and I'm gonna exercise your ass. Yeah, he came in there, strapped up, ready to go, just in time too to save Lieutenant Kinderman's daughter from getting her head pretty much cut off. Yep. With these intense shears. Those shears, dude, are intense. I know. <laughs> the most like intense shears I've ever seen. The burning again. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I thought of when I seen it. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> it's way more intense. That. Yeah, dog. That is that is so creepy. Yeah, but that's that thing I always talk about. I always want that one person in a movie to be like, nah, I'll roll with Jesus. You know, not not because of my faith, but just because they always portray people as like running away, and it is kind of cool. I just want to see the battle. I want to see like a cool battle. Like I don't know what he could bring, but like it'd be cool. I would watch a very fictitious, like dramatic kind of thing. And that what was when he went in there. I mean, he started. The ground started imploding. There were snakes everywhere. Hellfire. I mean, yeah. Over the top compared to the first one. Yeah, the whole room caught on fire, dude. But he just, he kept his cool. I thought that was sweet, man. But he did get thrown up on the ceiling and ripped apart. I mean, he he didn't die all the way. Yeah. He came in just just at the end there. Grabbed the cross. And it was like, you're done for, buddy. And then he, uh, you know, he got him. Jesus wins in the end. He do. He always wins in the end. He do. He always wins. And that's what you were going to get with William Peter Blatty. I think that he was happy that he could do that. Because as I says, as I says, the whole Exorcist, the original one, it feels like a movie of um, turmoil. You could feel the different ways pooling. And it makes it work for some strange reason. But like I alluded to earlier, that uh, with the, the dialogue, as you said, you know, kind of the happy ending... I mean, there's some carnage going on, but the good wins. Good wins, bad loses. So, you, I don't know, you could definitely see the differences. But I really enjoyed it, man. This is a nice little hidden gem when people are looking for something to watch, especially nowadays, those, like, I know you might not believe me, but, like, I just fall asleep listening to true crime stuff. Yeah, I'm crazy and quirky. I know. I'm not, like everyone else so for people that are into stuff like that and true crime stuff yeah i know it's crazy i'm probably a psychopath <laughs> Shut up. i know nobody else does that but anyways if you know people like that uh-huh. they'd probably really like this because there's a whole lot of steps it's not as like brutal as a saw um, you know, but it kind of has the element of like, all right, what's going on? Who's the killer? People are winding up dead, and you're just. There's a little bit of mystery in it for you, you know? 
Yeah. Everybody likes a good Scooby-Doo mystery. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you're into paranormal stuff, like, oh, yeah. I mean, like uh, it's religious stuff. It's a mix. You got paranormal, religious, and mystery, and crime, and murder. Everybody likes crime and murder. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I fall asleep to it. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think I know some things about this movie that we can tell you. Well... Here we are for you. This is the what do you know here. This is the segment here where we're here to tell you something that you may or may not know about this movie here. So if you don't know what we know, you're about to know what we know. And then we're going to know together. And then we're going to have a weenogasm. But if you know what we know already, you know, you're going to get sloppy seconds again because you're going to have a weenogasm too. But let the people that don't know have it before you, okay? Yeah. Have some fucking common courtesy here. Yeah. So check this out. I got a fact for you here about this movie. So, okay, tell me. Lay it on me. There is a segment in this movie where Lieutenant Kinderman, yep. he's going through this weird dream. He's like he's in heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, he sees the little boy. He's like, hey, I'm sorry you died. <laughs> that boy was funny. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry you died. Hey, I'm sorry you were murdered. <laughs> 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 That's okay. That's correct. That's all right. Now there are several cameos in that little, in that little sequence there. I okay, wish I knew the who they all were. No, you do. Well, I know. I will tell you. Okay, we got Patrick Ewing. Oh. We got Fabio. Oh. We got Larry King. Oh. And we have Samuel L. Jackson. Motherfucker. That motherfucker's in it too. Whoa. So there are several cameos. There's also like the like a U.S. Uh, Surgeon, surgeon general. general or something in there, but who the hell knows who that is? Yeah, that, I mean, you just know him care. as the surgeon general. You don't know his name, yeah. but he's there too. So there's several cameos in there. Wow, that's a lot of cameos for that scene there for your ass. That's what I know here. What do you know here? Oh, hit the spicy alarm! I got some heat. Hit me with it, baby. I got some heat, buddy. Okay, tell me. Here's some spicy details. Bring it on. So here is a public stated fact from Brad Dorif. He was the guy in the movie that was the bad guy. He was in that jail cell. And I tell you, there was moments he was so scary and creepy. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. But you know, was there a part of you that wondered, why was the transformation even necessary? Like, couldn't, couldn't, you know... The original, couldn't Jason Patrick have just been, or Jason Miller, I'm sorry, couldn't he have just been and said he was the Gemini killer? Well, there's a reason why he was not. And Brad Dorith went on public record and said, Jason Miller is a drunk. Okay, this isn't a quote, but he said that he was a drunk. And he said that he wasn't able to remember those long lines and of monologue and things like that that you said that, uh, you know, he was crushing. And he said there was no way that he was going to be able to remember that. So he was really only kind of put in there for continuity to be able to, you know, bridge the first and the third movie. But they only brought Brad Dorif in to have somebody that was sober and, uh, you know. Who can actually function as a human being. Yes, exactly. 
So that's a little bit of spice there for you. A little bit of, what do you know? Well, that's great. That's some what do you know? There's a ton of celebrities in heaven, and Jason Miller's a drunk. So that sums it up there for you. Whoa, whoa. You know anything else here about this movie? Yeah. Okay, what else you got? You know anything else? Yeah. You say you know something. What is it? There's this movie called Repossessed. Yeah. It came out the same year as The Exorcist 3. Okay. And Repossessed is kind of a spoof of The Exorcist. It even had Linda Blair in it. It had Leslie Nielsen in it. You know, the guy with the white hair. Right. Had him in there. And there was a little competition. The Exorcist 3 says, you know, if our movie comes out after their movie, nobody's going to take our shit serious. So they bumped up the production date, and then the repossessed did as well. But eventually they, you know, let bygones be bygones, and they let The Exorcist 3 have the original release, and then they came out. But in hindsight, I think it helped both movies. Sure. I think both movies did well because of the little yeah, cause if exorcism you see, hype. Yeah, because <laughs> if you see one, you got to see the other. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, that's what the probably with all these superhero movies. You see one superhero movie, you got to look at the other ones. Yes. It all makes sense here. So that's, that's some little behind the facts stuff that you know. What do you know? They Man, know I feel Exorcist smarter. 3. I feel smarter already. That is fantastic. You're like a film historian. Pretty much now. Yes. We are in film and history here mm-hmm. for your ass. That's great. Anything else here? No, I think that'll do it. Okay, that's good now. We gotta go. All right, see you later. Mark? Mark? Yes? Can I ask you something for real? Uh-huh. Have you ever smelled the inside of your belly button? No, I can't bend that way. Have you ever put your finger in your belly button and smelled it? Don't. No. Don't? I imagine it's very disgusting. Oh, I got, do, you have a, do you have an innie or an Audi? I got an innie. So do I. Uh, it don't smell. No. Because you will always wash it. It'll be like the first thing you wash when you get in the shower. Dude, I always I always go. It sucks, though. You got to do it with a Q-tip, but, like, if you go too far and make contact, it feels weird. Like, you know what in I mean? In your butthole. Not in your butthole, but in, like, your lower back. You get it in your butthole? <laughs> no, I just wanted to make No, you, you get it in your butthole, huh? No, I'm not, I've, never, I've never put anything in there You've never clean. put anything in no, You've got to clean my, it out. Well, just my pinky and well, soap in the shower. you got to get a Q-tip in there. Oh. It's like your ears. You can't wash your ears what with your like finger. What about like one of those little air duster things? <laughs> <laughs> Make you piss your pants. It probably would. Ah! I want to try it. <laughs> I guarantee you. So cold. I guarantee you can go on YouTube right now and there's somebody cleaning their belly button out with an air Oh yeah. Cancer. If there's not, I am going. I am going to be the first video to do that. That'll be viral. Yeah, I know, because there's all like lint and shit in there, probably. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah not... just some weird stuff. It's a situation. Okay, Mark. In all seriousness, here we're talking. You know, a movie where we have some violence. We got some par. You know, paranormal kind of shit. We got some good. You know, I don't know. The graphics in it weren't bad, and really that's what I was going to kind of break into was, even though this movie is, what, 1990, I don't think the graphics are too horrible. I still think they're pretty watchable to this day. There aren't, like, many parts where I'm like, okay, this is horrendous by any means. No, the the lightning is probably the cheesiest effect that's in this movie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not – I mean, you're you're putting lightning inside. I mean – how how realistic with that are you gonna get? 
That's a good point. It's not going to, you know, when you see artificial or technological lightning, Mm -hmm. because you only see real lightning for like a split second. So how are you going to make, you know, nobody can judge it as like, that's not real. Of course it's not fucking real. But it did look cheesy. That's the only cheesy thing. Other than that, all the other stuff was pretty good. It was pretty good. Pretty watchable to me. Yeah, I really did like the snakes and the and the fire. That shit was super cool to me. That was cool. Like, honestly, I know that we don't have a lot of on-screen deaths, but I'm trying to count how many deaths are in this because there's quite a few. There's quite a few if you're running down it. And then, obviously, towards the end, I mean, Kinderman's family almost gets it. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. There is the little boy, then there's a priest... And then there is, uh, who's after that? Father Dyer. After Father Dyer, I think it's the nurse. Is it a nurse that gets it? Yeah, nurse gets it too. The nurse gets it. So there's four. I think there's four. Well, no, the, nope, the priest dies. So it's five. And then uh, 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 Father Cares. Yeah, you know dies. what's cool though? So I, like how that, I like how that I like at his funeral though. They put, like, 1975 or whatever on his headstone or tombstone because it's like they didn't say he was still alive. That wasn't him. That was some kind of demon creature. I thought that was cool how he snapped out of it, though, for a split second. He's like, you got to shoot me. You got to shoot me now. He's like, shoot me now, damn it. Because he was still in there. Like, you know, he's technically didn't. According to that, he didn't die. Brad Dorff, uh, Gemini Killer, explains like he took forever to revitalize his brain cells and doing all that, which is some crazy shit. And the contacts look nuts too. And let me tell you something, folks. Like anything, anytime, like really before the early 2000s or even really the late 2000s, contacts, like effects contacts, were not comfortable at all. Like they are horribly painful. So. Mad props if you see anybody before those time frames with contacts in. I really loved the way his eyes looked. I thought the ba- I love the background that you picked uh, between them two. The light just looks great. I first I thought you were gonna choose the one with just his eyes, and I was like, that's pretty cool too. No, that's too basic, man. You gotta you gotta get it. You gotta get it nice and uh, nice and nice there. That's the only way I can explain it. Yeah, you can't be too basic. Yeah. So you know, I have a I I my favorite part really is the the carp of Kinderman telling Father Dyer about the carp in his bathtub. But another one that I did like was uh, was the nurse uh, nurse's death um, scene where she's in the hallway and she hears something in a in a door. Now this is where uh, the demon has told Lieutenant Kinderman that hey, tell everybody that I am the Gemini killer, and if you don't. Like, you know, shit, so I'm going to... I'm going to make you suffer. Yeah, I'm going to make you suffer. So there's a nurse, she goes, and there's a door, and then she goes in there. There's nothing in there, just some guy sleeping or whatever. So it's very suspenseful. And then she hears something else again in a closet. So she goes in the closet, not that she doesn't see anything in the closet. So then she turns around, starts walking, and then as soon as she goes back walking, there's like a nurse, some white hooded girl or whatever the hell it is with a knife just sitting here... And this is the the music hits, and it's like, and it's like kind of like a jump scare thing, but it kind of gets you suspenseful. Like, oh shit! Like she's about to die. Yep. But very practical death. Nothing on screen. Let your imagination take the word. And he explains what he did too through the thing. But that was kind of like a little jump 
get yourself back in it kind of moment that I enjoyed. What about you, Kristen Ramey? Um, definitely the it would definitely be one of the uh, you know ending parts. Like the exorcism would probably be my favorite part. But I would say, like, throughout this whole movie, it's fun because there are horror movies that you can watch for the first time. I'm sure there's a couple that you've watched for the first time where you're like, all right, I kind of see where this is going, and I kind of, like, know where this is going. I still want to see it for the, you know, TNA factor, the kill factor, the, you know, everything. But you could kind of get what's happening and where it's going. The fun part about The Exorcist 3, even though I've seen it so many times, each time when I watch it, it's just one of those movies that the way it's paced, you kind of don't see what's coming around next corner. So when you say suspenseful, I agree because you're not like outside of the box watching it. If you're watching The Exorcist 3, you're in it and each turn just kind of feels like a like, I don't know, you're just you're there. You're in that moment and everything is paced very differently and it's not predictable it's hard to choreograph its punches like you don't really me personally I had no idea the first time when I watched that like that anything that I saw was going to happen you're like I don't know what the hell's happening but I can't quit watching I want to see how this is ends you know so and I still feel that way with this but you know you do gotta writers gotta write and you gotta credit to uh William Peter Blatty for making a very book-like movie. And those exist. That's a thing, man. Stephen King's always feel like that. It's that dialogue, baby. And those are great movies, too, if you're in the mood for them. Uh They hit the spot. They hit the spot. They're rich. They are rich. Wow. I need to know, Christian Ramey, what this Exorcist 3 1990 rates on the horror movie scale. Sloppy horror. I know it was. Wow. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the world-famous Sloppy Horror Podcast rating. This is the segment here where your favorite scary movie companion, Christian Ramey, the horror nerd himself, is going to rate this movie <laughs> on his very own created horror movie scale. It's a good scale. It gets the job done. So we're going to do this here in a series of four categories. Three of the categories worth three points. Last category is worth one point for a total of... Ten points altogether. That's correct. So, folks... Real quick, too. I like how you mention every time that it's not a regular movie and it's a scary movie um, thing. And, and and if we think about this, if I'm giving you a 10 out of 10, I want something that's uh, visceral, front to back, something that's going to lace you with fear. Even adults, it can grab things of that nature. So it's hard to get a 10 out of 10 on this show. But I really think with our categories of kills, casting, fear, and then, you know, rewatchability, that really does sum up what I want to know about a horror movie. Because if you say, like, hey, man, this is casted great. This has got rich acting. You're like, oh, I know what kind of movie that is. It's probably the ones that are rich in casting aren't always high in kills. The ones high in kills aren't always rich in casting. You know, so there's like... There's give and take here, but it usually always balances each other out. So very rarely do you see it three, 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 you know, all the way down the line. So we can proceed with the uh, with the rating. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that and interrupting my flow. Thank you. All right. Here we go now. All right, partner. All right. Let's get into the first category here in the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating, and that is casting. Like, such a hard three. Hard three out of three. 
hard three out of three. Everybody crushes it. Even had what's his face in it. Uh, uh, Scott Wilson as Doctor Temple. I mean, you got uh, Herschel from Walking Dead. He's in there. There's so many great actors in this, but it's believable. Everybody understood the role and assignment. And me personally, even though, like we stated, there's like people in a jail cell, like dramatically acting. It doesn't feel like, man, this is goofy. Doesn't feel that way at all. Feels no. genuine and and sincere, and everyone works. Yeah, you got it's something you got you can get sucked into if you pay attention. If you don't pay attention, you'll kind of get lost and not know what's going on. So mm-hmm. you need good casting for that to work. So that's good. So that's three out of ten here on the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating. Let's get into the second category here in the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating, and that is kills. I feel like this is only a one. S- sorry, I just yawned. Yeah. <clears throat> It is. It is only a one. Um, I'm gonna. I think you should give it a one just because of the descriptions of the kills. Six <laughs> yeah. of them. You only see one. You only see uh, morning. Well, no, you see two. You see two. You see that those are the final two kills between right, the right, priest right, and right, right. Uh, you know Father Dyer. But the other explanations, it's like dog. Use your imagination, and then you can visualize those kills. Yeah, the one dude was, like, crucified. They, like, put drugs in him so he was still alive Yeah, while he was being decapitated. Like, crazy stuff, dude. Yeah, crazy, crazy. stuff. But, you know, yeah, until you see it, that doesn't go very high up on the scale. No. I think you have to visually see him. Mm-hmm. So, but per the two kills that you do see, virus the very detailed descriptions of the other four. That gives it a one. Yeah, that's very fair. So that is four out of ten here on the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating. Let's get into the third and final three-point category here on the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating, and that is fear. This is going to be a category I want to comb over with you again, uh, but at, like my heart's saying two or one and a half because this is just a crazy story. And if you're if you believe, if you're a person of faith, which there's a large majority of people who are members of faith. Uh, exorcist kind of shit scares the shit out of them. Like any kind of demon shit, they don't like. They're not about. Especially like, you know, our parents' generation. If you're just like, yeah, here's exorcism, they're just like, don't bring that Ouija board shit in my house. Like people don't play around with that shit. So I still think this has uh, enough fear generated where it could, uh, it'd be a movie that, that you think of after it's off. Some movies you're done, like you just it's over, and it's like, cool, that was a nice little thrill, nice little uh, piece of pizza, Tostino's pizza. I think this is a little bit more than Tostino's pizza, man. I think there's a lot more to kind of like think on. This movie made me think, so I'm going one and a half or two. Help me comb that out. Mm, I'd go with it, too. Yeah, man. I'd go with it, too, because if I'm thinking of the range of uh, ages of people who would be frightened by this movie. I mean, we have older, older people of faith. A lot of people, one of the, again, the scariest thing, I think in general, if you took a survey, what's the scariest thing in the world to people? A lot of people will say demons and the devil. Devil, right. Okay. Um, we also have a lot of visual things going on that a younger person who isn't going to pay attention to the dialogue and not know, there are some very scary, disturbing scenes in this. Mm-hmm. And that could fuck somebody, fuck them up, too. And they took the approach, too, of, like, Kenderman is not, like, a, a f- 
he's not even a priest or anything. He's not like a person of faith. He doesn't give a shit. So like, I love when they do that in the movies because I feel like, I mean, I am a person of faith, but in the same light, I think, I mean, I don't know, but as a person who isn't, I feel like they can look at that and it just leaves the question mark for them. It leaves like, well, hey. It does, but that, that leads it to it could mess up a person who is not of faith. Exactly. It's like nobody's exactly. safe. Like whether you believe in it or not, it's here and it's affecting you. So. I think that makes it sometimes scarier it if does. you don't believe because you're like, holy fuck, I don't know what I'd be doing because I don't even know if that's the devil or what the hell that is. That's just, it ain't right. Yeah, that exactly. shit ain't right, And dude. the suspense in there will get anybody little tingles in their stomach if it's the right person. So I think two is very solid there. Yeah. I think it's very. So that's six out of ten here on the Sloppy Horror Podcast Radio. Let's get into the final one-point category for half a point each from either of us for rewatchability. I'm giving it my half a point. I definitely think it's rewatchable. I love to watch this movie. Um, it kind of sits there on the edge of horror because, uh, I don't I mean, it's not like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street or a Jason movie or something to that degree. It just sits somewhere else, but it's almost like a Silence of the Lambs kind of category. It's, a very, it's a very artistic, I believe, type of movie, mm-hmm. the artsy type of horror, but done well. Um, Not like okay. that new artsy shit. No, no, it's the old style. Um, I'll wa- I'll give it rewatchability just because of George Scott and Kinderman. Like I will watch it again just to watch Kinderman, for the most parts. Um, We're fine. <laughs> the fish swimming up down (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you were like flipping through the channels and this was on i definitely think i mean it would catch me i would watch it for a little bit too Mm -hmm. if i you know i'd watch it for a little bit till the next commercial if i'm watching something else i'd flip back and forth um so yeah so that is seven out of ten total for exorcist three here on the sloppy horror podcast rating now seven out of ten is pretty much one of our general scores that's pretty fair it's very fair it's good okay horror movies aren't perfect none of them are Neither are we. No, they're not. Dude, every time you blow your damn vape smoke around the lights, I swear to God they're on fire sometimes. I think, like, they're starting to catch on fire. Uh Uh-oh. Stop doing that. Okay. That's well, that's great. pretty good stuff, Mark. It is. Seven out of ten. Yes. That's The Exorcist 3, folks. That is The Exorcist 3. But... Here's a fun little category that we like to get into. It's called a segment. Why am I? What, I, what happened, Mark? What? I'm messing up words today. You suck. I do. All right. I do. Just forget it. They already know what it is. Hit the damn music. Uh-huh. I missed you, mister. Mr. Mr. Rosak. Tell him if you're old enough. How old? To watch that scary stuff. Shit. For the parents who will give a yeah. <laughs> so, boys and girls, a common question Ozark and I get a lot because we are ambassadors of horror or people who are always preaching what movies that are, you know, fun to watch. People ask us all the time. They say, can my kid watch this movie? What's a good movie my kid can watch? So, at the end of each of our movie ratings, we like to throw this little segment on where we tell you, Ozark tells you, what age he thinks would be appropriate for your child to watch this movie. Or maybe not your kid, but any kid. Any kid you find on the street. Go ahead. This is hard. It kind of is. This is is a hard kind of movie to go here because... um, I feel like 7 to 12 would go over their head. 
Seven, yeah, it would, <laughs> it would. They wouldn't know what's going on, but, you know, they'd see the exorcism part, and that would kind of probably freak them out a little bit, because it always does. Like, that's one of the most freakiest things you could put in a movie, I feel like, that most common people are afraid of. But, you know, again, you know, what are the things we look at when we look at this? Okay, is there sex? No, there's no sex. No sex. Is there violence? There is some violence, but it's very implied and very not there. Thematic the to, like, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that's there. It's a lot of dialogue <laughs> and suspense. You have to understand, follow the movie for you to get the full effect of the fear of it and understand. Um I don't know, man. I th- I, was it like f- probably fifteen? I think you might even be able to go younger. You Me. think so? Yeah. I, like I, what? It just depends on. Obviously, we always say it depends on the kid. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think like what age I could like understand this fully. I was thinking twelve. Twelve, huh? Because you know, twelve. They're in middle school. They're little shits. They can watch wrestling and they kind of understand storylines. Now, I wouldn't just throw it on them, but if they're people into the creepy stuff, I don't. You know how things are these days. Some of these shows these ladies watch, just like, yeah, she was raped and killed and throw behind the dumpster, and now they're trying. You're like, what? I guess maybe. What kind of shit are you watching? Oh, I guess so. I mean, I don't know what age uh, people start getting into the murder podcast things that are out now. I don't know. I don't know what t- I don't know what teenagers are listening to, but we'll if go. We'll could- meet in the middle. We'll go with thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. okay. All right. Thirteen. Your innocence is gone. You're getting hair in your fun places you can have and your time. armpits yeah 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 start and if you're 13 wear deodorant yep you little fucks yep so 13 i i guess you'd be go right with right. yeah so that's good you yeah. got a little eighth grader they could probably handle the exorcist yeah. three little bastards little bastards so that's good that's a fun little segment mark yes it is i like how we just did that there we just splurted all over the place there yeah, man. So, you know, we've got a little what do you know facts. We figured out who our cameos were in that movie. All right. We got Patrick Ewing. We had Fabio, Larry King. Who else did we have? Samuel have? L. Jackson. How could I forget? I don't know. We figured out that Brad Dorif uh, pretty much had to be the wing or the <laughs> the wind underneath the movie's wings because uh, Jason Miller would not have been able to perform because stay he off. sadly had an alcohol problem. Stay off the sauce, boys and girls. Don't get too into it. It will it will ruin your life. It ain't good for you. No, it's not. It's not good for you. So we learned that kind of stuff. We figured out that The Exorcist 3 is a 7 out of 10 on our horror movie scale. And we also discovered that you could be 13 years old to watch it. And fortunately, Ozark, I think it might have been the Patreon or might have just been last episode. I don't know what it was, but you said that it's available everywhere, and it is. It's kind of it's on Pluto. It's on Tubi. There's a lot of places this is on right now. Yes, it's everywhere for. It's basically what I do is every time before you tell me to watch a movie, I took where I look. Where can I stream this movie? And it will tell you this one. It's on Tubi, Pluto. Uh, not, I don't think it's on Netflix, but those are it's all the free ones. You don't Peacock. It's on everything right now. So this is a good one for you to get to uh, go watch with your family and you know. Your Next time kids. you're snuggling up with the, you know your loved one and you're rubbing your ugly pots together, you could put this movie on while you're making your room stink. Okay, but I would recommend watching it for some parts. All right. <laughs>
Yes. Be in a position where both of you can watch. It's got both. If you have any kind of sense of humor, you will laugh at this movie. Uh, yeah. It's, it's borderline comedy. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it like if it, if someone were to ask me, you know, hey, horror movies don't really scare me, and I like to watch movies, uh, and I like to get that feeling, I would say this would fit in there. Are you going to, like, piss your pants? No, you're not going to piss your pants, but if you are really involved into the movie, I would say your heart rate will elevate, and you're not going to know what's around each corner. And I think that's kind of a benefit, especially in this genre that, uh, I mean, like any genre, they have their tropes, you know. Oh yeah. no, the car won't start. Yeah, you're oh, not. No, you know. Yeah, yeah, you, you're not. No, it's gonna keep you a little bit on the edge of your seat. Not on the like physically, but like mentally. You're like, oh, it will keep you. It will keep you in there, and it will, you know, it will give you some feelings that that you know you don't normally feel throughout the day. And that's art, baby. That is. That's art. That is art. Fantastic. Well, Christian Ramey, we are under just a minute left here. Do you have any final words for these good people before we leave? There is one episode left in this season. We need to know what it is. By God, we do. What's the hint? So, you know, we've covered this first movie. It's probably one of the most iconic horror movies of all time. It stars one of the most iconic chins in horror movie history. Something about a boomstick. Something about, you know, some stuff going on. Well, that's uh, a pretty dead giveaway of what the hell that is. So, okay, now you're just getting crazy now. Yeah. Now you're just getting crazy. You might as well just say what it is. But yeah, don't do it. Don't. I didn't I didn't say that. You're not, <coughs> you're not supposed to say it until the Patreon episode. I didn't. I didn't. And if you guys, really, if you're looking for a great way to support the show, that would mean the world to us. A lot of people are like, what the hell is a Patreon? What's that mean? I have enough subscriptions. And we understand that. We do, we do. And we understand it's not for everybody. And if we entertain you week after week for free, we love to do that. But there's, I mean... You could start at $3 a month. So there's lots of different ways you could show love to the show. Uh, and a lot of people tell us, like, man, when's the next episode coming out, man? Because I've listened to them all. So I always point them to that because some extra content. And, you know, it's not just a movie we're talking about. We go into everything. So Yes, yes we do. Yes, we do. It's a fun little fireside chat for an hour is what we do here. Oh. <laughs> 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 All right, that's it. We're leaving with that. I'm out of here. We love you. Bye.